Fuck. It's Wednesday already. Well, in this case, good morning and welcome to Roland Race News. It's a beautiful day here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, the temperature is probably hot as fuck. I don't know because I'm just waking up. Um, yeah, it's Wednesday. We've got a new retro episode for you today. We're going to be joined by, let's see, what do we got? What do we got? What do we want to put out today? I've got a couple episodes that are coming back from like February, early March. So let's see here. We might go ahead and do one of those. Actually, let's go with a more recent one and then save the two that were a little bit prior for another day. So today you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Zach Warner Zach Warner is the grandson of kind of a legendary tech official around the area, Larry Toombs. We talked a little bit about him and then otherwise what Zach has been up to around the racing world because he does get out and about and go a lot, crew for people, help out. I know that he was a flagger at Mini E, so we're going to talk to him. Before we get into that, we'll touch on a couple of things. You know, obviously it's Knoxville Nationals. Knoxville 410 Nationals week after a pretty exciting 360 Nationals last week. I know I enjoyed watching that while I was at work. Caught that. Congratulations, Aaron Reitzel. Um, Front row challenge Monday night. Saw Kyle Larson picking up the win in the 410s. And uh, Adam Gullion picked up his first win on a half mile at the Southern Iowa Speedway. So congrats to those guys. I always like to see a local guy go down the road, especially for a show that doesn't always attract the highest amount of cars. I mean, $1,000 to win isn't a ton, so you got to give credit where credit is due when a couple of guys will haul down there for, you know, arguably peanuts. I'm definitely an advocate of raising the purse monies in everything, everywhere across the board. But it's still nice to see some people get out and go travel. I mean, gas is going down, diesel's going down, but it's still not very fun to go to the gas station. So congrats to those guys, and always kudos if you travel, if you get out of, if you get outside of one track, and go out and race. That's something cool. That's what the world needs. Every racetrack needs cars. I know that a lot of people don't necessarily like my stance on some of those things, but the fact of the matter is that racetracks need cars. So if you're going to get out and race, then get out and race, whether it's at the track that I work at or a track down the road. If you're going to race, I salute you. So we won't get too far into any of the racing politics stuff. We'll just cut right into the episode so here is a episode that we recorded actually driving down the road. I'm trying to remember what night it was, like date-wise. I know that the night was, well, I tell you what, it was the night that Derek Crawl, I believe Gene Ackland was in the pileup, and then a couple laps later, a special guest in this segment, Gunner Pike, got upside down over at Eagle Raceway. Actually, I think that's the night Brandon Verbeek called it a what was it, a shit show of a racetrack or cow pasture or something like that? I don't know. It was a little bit of a rougher night out at the racetrack, one of those nights after a whole lot of falling rain, but we won't get into that because it seems like when I talk trap track prep with anyone, all it does is lead to hurt feelings from somebody who's not me. So without further ado, here's Zach Warner. Thanks for tuning in to Roland Race News. 
Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ass crack of dawn to you, race fans, and welcome to a special, never-before-done edition of Roland Race News. Today, we're actually cruising down the road and recording a podcast with none other than Zach Warner. For those of you who don't know who Zach Warner is, Zach, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in racing? I know it's kind of a family affair. <laughs> family affair is an understatement, man. I was born into this world, like, I've been doing this longer than I've been alive almost. Amen. <laughs> I mean, if y'all don't know who I am, most of y'all know who Grandpa is to me in Larry Toombs. Absolutely. Or Good old Toomsy. Or you've been drunk with him before. Yeah, just a time or two or 17,000. By Jack and Coke, or just Jack straight, it all depends on the night. You know, before Dan Taylor ever got me into whiskey, the only person that I would drink whiskey with was Toomsy when he'd <clears throat> come down to the Jackson's campsite after the races, and he'd be like, take a pull, you <laughs> pussy. So, yeah, me and Toomsy have uh, downed a couple bottles in our day. Should have grew up with him. Oh, I can only imagine. I was downing bottles with him at, like, as shitty as it sounds, at, like, 15, I mean... I think my mom was going to kill me about every time I come home from hanging out with him because I was drunk or injured. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the it's the classic mom logic of I took you into this world, but I can take you out. But you can't do nothing to dad. You can't hurt dad because dad was there with us. Exactly. I mean, how I knew how to drive at like 12 because I drove them both home numerous times. Amen to that. I mean, my grandpa was never a big drinker, but he did teach me how to drive at a pretty early age. I wish I could say the same. So, remember that kind of funny story about him? Remember that old gate that Columbus used to have when you went from the grandstands to the pits? Yes, that sir. That old cattle gate? Yeah. I watched him fall down that thing one night, and then I <laughs> fell down about five minutes afterwards. Oh, of course. It's, you know, it's a family affair all around. Monkey see, monkey do, and we did it. Goods, bads, and embarrassings. All right, so what are we getting into today, James? Well, um, talk to me a little bit about kind of how you got your start with all this. Obviously, growing up around the racetrack, what really got you involved? What got you from the grandstands to the pit gate? Grandpa. I mean, that and... I guess I got to give a big shout out to Roger Hayden. I worked for him for quite a few years, and I still do for the uh, go-kart side of stuff on Friday nights. You know, I flag out there and stuff. So, I, you know, I started helping him out when I was like 10, you know, pulling weeds, stuff like that. So that got me into the pits and just never left. Absolutely. Let's go back a little bit further than that. No, I, well, maybe this is further back or maybe it's further forward but i know you talked about mike and dean chad and going up and down the road with some of those guys i've been we did that whole west coast swing the old strawberry clash or strawberry shootout or whatever it was won that back in like 20 shit, 12 11 i don't even remember all right so that was a little bit after you started pulling weeds out at the racetrack yeah yeah that was i used to run with them guys because they're family to me mike and dean are uh, cousins, second cousins. But I used to run with them when I wasn't in school. Like, you know, summer break, I'd, shit, I'd be on the road with them guys. Summer break, hop in a truck and go wherever needs raced. Call my mom and didn't even know what state I was in or what time it was because I've been sleeping so much and washing the cars so much. It, it just, you know, I was the grunt of that whole operation, but it kind of That's how you my, get started. You know, it got my feet wet, sort of say, into it and loved it ever since. Who was your favorite race car driver growing up? We ask the tough questions here, people. 
Um, the Raging Cajun. The Raging Cajun, Jason Johnson, R.I.P. Man, we've lost some great ones over we the have. last couple years. Him, Greg Hotnett, B.C., Brian Clawson. Man, would have went somewhere. Absolutely. All right, so let me, let me interview you here. All right, go for it. Best racetrack you've been to? Best racetrack I've been to. Man, I I don't know. I'm partially a little bit biased because I get to go to one of the best racetracks in the nation each week out at Eagle Raceway. We're heading there right now. Plug for Eagle. That is true. Um, Eagle's pretty special to me just because it's, it's always had such an atmosphere to it. Atmosphere, great racing, and a great facility are definitely three of my kind of top things to go for when I go to a racetrack. Uh, Josh Pfeiffer called me out the other week when I had posted a video of the crowd out at Eagle, and he told me that I should go to Houston sometime, and I'm like, huh, been there. And say, didn't we go there last year together? Yeah, sure did. What'd you think of that place? It's incredible. I mean, there again, it's a track with great racing, atmosphere, and an incredible facility, and um, some great similarities between Todd Quaring and Roger Hayden. Those are just two guys that'll really give their all for this sport and to make sure that we have a quality weekly show to go back and forth. By the way, you and Todd both lied to me last week saying that the track would be ready for that outlaw deal. So my thoughts are definitely with Houston Speedway. Just given a hard time, I'm not mad that they couldn't get the show in because when you get hit by winds and a borderline tornado that hard, you're going to need a little bit of time to repair and rebuild, especially when you have a world-class facility like Houston's. I mean, and I thought, and it's like I told you last Saturday, I thought if anybody in this country can rebuild a racetrack overnight, it's Todd Query and them Houston boys, because them dudes, if you guys ain't never been to Houston, man, you got to get up there Sunday nights. It's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's some people that complain about the length of the drive and the time that you get home, but I would, even now, switching from second shift to first over the summer, if the opportunity presented itself and I wasn't broke, I would absolutely jump on that bandwagon. You know, I'm, I'm going to go try for my driver's license on Monday, so maybe next time I'll drive you down there. Hey, and I wish you'd have been driving at that time because that was horrible coming home at, I don't know, what did we get home at, 5 a.m., I think? Something like that. Um, that was I think that was like my second latest racing trip, aside from when I went with J.J. Dorman on what I called the Hell Tour. The uh, and and it was only one night. We we made a trek down to Albion with a buddy. Man, I I wish that I could remember who was driving just so I could give him a shout out. But we went down there with JJ Dorman and the '93 Hobby Stock at the time. Blew the motor in the B feature, moving for the transfer spot. And then on the way home, we made it as far as York. Started to notice that the hub was squealing a little bit on the trailer. So we attempted to grease it, and uh, yeah, uh, apparently that bearing decided that it would go about 10 miles outside of York, so we had to sit there and wait for Ben Beecher to play Save Our Sorry Asses, and I think I ended up making it home about 8 o'clock that morning. Man, if that's the latest you've ever got home, we gotta go on some road trips together. I'm in. Eldora? Yeah, sure. Bristol uh, next year? I think I told you last week that I've... If it came down to, like, a 14-hour drive that I would rather fly, but I'm, I'm definitely a fan of road trips, and I'd give that a go. There's, there's so many tracks that are just on my bucket list to get to. I mean, even, even I guess i got to say kind of my corniest one is the Las Vegas Motor Speedway dirt track for Duel in the Desert, just because I've known so many people who have gone there and seen that and... I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Las Vegas. Uh, I've been there twice now 
for like three or four days and I think next time I just need like a 48, 72 hour trip to go racing and keep me out of the casino. It ain't gonna happen. No, it, it won't happen, but hell, I can't even hardly stay out of them when I go to like Lakeside. I mean, hell, I've been to doing the desert once and yeah, you'll be in the casino. You'll be partying with somebody, and next thing you know, you'll end up in Bailey's Casino down on Fremont Street. So. I do love Fremont Street. Even if you're, a, a bit of advice, if you're ever looking to go to Vegas, and maybe you're not a big gambler, you just don't know what you would do. Then don't go to Vegas if you don't want to gamble. Oh, I mean. no, I, I highly encourage people to go, because even if you just buy a drink and start walking down the street, you are going to have some of the best, I mean... Some of the best people watching that you're going to find this side of Kentucky. <laughs> Paducah, Kentucky. If y'all ain't never been there, that's the best people to watch in the world. I, I think swear. they have a racetrack there, too. They do. Paducah International Speedway. It's dirt track, I assume. Uh, yeah, the, they got a drag strip right across the street from it. That's, uh, ironically enough, that would be my plan if I was ever to win the lottery. I would buy Eagle Raceway. I have absolute zero interest in running a racetrack, but all the interest in the world in owning one. In case you didn't hear, that was uh, Turd Gen Slow Marrow attempting to get to 35 out here on Cornhusker Highway. About an 8-inch cowl hood scoop on that thing. I don't know how he's seen the front bumper. Uh, it's probably got a 305 in it. But hey, 305 race car motors are way cooler than 305 slow marrow motors. Should we pull them over and see if he wants to sell the block out of it? Because them damn things are hard to come by now. Are they? They're they're finally getting... It's kind of like with the Chevy Cavalier. You used to see them all over the road, and now you see them all over the racetrack. Or the junkyard, because the racetracks wrecked them. Yeah, that too. Damn, I don't miss them damn compacts. I'm kind of... I'm right there with you from one perspective... I, I'd always had a ton of respect for that class, and then the car counts really started dropping off. And that's that's one thing. It shows that we're at a good place in motorsports where people are moving up and out of that class and getting into hobby stock, sport mods, late models, sprint cars. I mean, sport compacts have really brought us some great drivers, but the straw that broke the camel's back for me and probably for Roger Hayden was when he ended up with, like, five cars one night and two of them went out for hot laps they were late for hot laps and i i guess i can't say that i hate compacts i had fun racing them but when you put up an imca sport compact versus an imca stock car i'm sorry i'm going with stock cars all day long the class too tough to tame is more than just a name for those guys man and especially at eagle the show them boys been putting on these past few weeks oof some of the best racing I've ever seen. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a fan of guys wrecking, but even a couple weeks ago when they couldn't get it together, that was still an exciting and entertaining race once you got back to the green flag from yellow. Hey, I think the old Camaro oh. broke down. Oh, no. <laughs> Passengers, God damn it. The one time I wish I was videoing. So if y'all know Lincoln, we passed him about 33rd in Cornhusker, and now his passenger's pushing him at 48th. So I wonder if he blew the motor up. Block's still good? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's a good question. Well, shit, now the driver's out pushing it. Live on the scene here, Roland Race News. Little shout-out to the cheapest damn smokes. Hopefully they got a cheapest damn rebuild kit. Oh, God, when I agreed to do this, I didn't know we'd get into it. I, I did not know that this is where it was going to go. So let's kind of try and uh, derail it somewhat 
back on its wheels. What's your favorite racetrack? I'm or do old. you have a top three? I, I mean, I, I'm proud of going to 30-plus tracks, but I know you've gone to just a couple more than I have. Just a few. Um, if I'm going to do a top three, Eagles on there, and in no order, Eagle, Belleville High Banks for the Belleville Nationals. There is something special about that joint. And the facility itself isn't even really special, but, man, the show that they put on down there is something else. Um, and then Houston's. Those like, are those are three top-quality sprint car tracks. You know, I've been Knoxville, Eldora, Lonerville, Williams Grove, Port Royal, and, man, the show that Houston's puts on on just a weekly Sunday night, you know, honestly. I'm a short that. track guy. Always have been. I mean, half miles are cool, but I'm definitely more quarter thirds and three eighths. Like my my top three would have to be in in no particular order. Beatrice Speedway, because that's where I turned my first laps. I have a huge soft spot in my heart for Thayer County Speedway over in Deschler, and of course Eagle Raceway. Man, Thayer County for that USAC the midget show every year. Uh, you're thinking of Jefferson oh, County yeah, over in Fairbury, and bad. that is sneaking up here in just a couple weeks. So if you feel like making a Mazda road trip, we can fuel up my truck and go down there. I know Tommy Denton's going to treat us right. Hey, I'm down. That's always probably one of my top five shows every year to try and make it to is those midgets down there, man. Working second shift has kind of killed me on making it to shows like that, but luckily this year I'm on those summertime hours working 6.30 to 3 in the afternoon. So if anybody in the Lincoln area is listening and you want somebody to ride along to the races with, we can do an interview like this. I can sit down. That's, that's what I always used to tell people. If you got room for me in your car, I can either talk your ear off or I can shut the hell up, do whatever you want, but... As long as you got a seat for me, I'll ride along. Quick shout-out to Jake Swanson and Dana Swanson. They were going to run me out here later on when they got the car to the racetrack. You called me a little bit earlier, and I got to mow the campsite, so I had to take the early ride. Hey, proud to do it. Happy to do it. <laughs> well, I sure appreciate it. And it's not like we're on my fuel right now anyway. So. Yeah. Shout-out to the company I work for with the company truck. So, The company that shall remain yeah. nameless? Yeah. It's on the door, so if you see us driving in tonight, you'll know. Yeah, if you see a couple of goobers riding around with microphones to our mouths, then um, that's where we're at. Yeah, what do people think when we pass them and we're both talking into mics right now? I don't know. I've got a buddy that uh, does DoorDash, and he's constantly snapping random stuff that he sees across town, like custom vanity plates, especially the ones that make, like, I, I think he sent me, like, I, I can't even remember what it was, but he'll send me just the randomest things. You know, you'll see two people fighting off of O Street, some weird custom license plate, and I am sure if we happen to run across him right now, he'd be like, what are these guys doing? They've got microphones to their mouths right now. Shout out to Doug Murray and the Off the Rails podcast, just in case you happen to see us today. <laughs> so let, let's go to some of your favorite racing memories. What's uh, the biggest standout event that you've been to, whether it be a marquee type of deal or just a local weekly show? Bristol was fun last year for the, you know, first annual Bristol Dirt Nationals. I went down there with a bunch of, well, Team Fireball. We'll just put them under the bus. No, absolutely. Camp Fireball is actually a proud sponsor of this podcast. Are they? Yeah. We, we decided on that at the beginning of this year. Well, that's who I went down there with, and man, y'all should have knew what we got into. Oh, I can only imagine. Not only the drive down there, but I oh. saw you guys had a suite. We did. 
and we were not the sweet kind of people either. Let's put it that way. Oh, I can I can only imagine because weren't you telling me that you guys had brought down coolers and food and everything else, and then you get to the suite and realize that it's all taken care of? Yeah, because they told us you can bring. Well, if you've been to like a NASCAR race, you know you can bring your own beer in. Yeah. Well, hell, I ain't gonna pay nine dollars for beer when I can bring it in myself. Well, nobody told us that the suite provided all the alcohol we could drink, and I know this for a fact. After the first day, they were out of Fireball and Bud Light. With those guys, no, never. I, I just I can't see them drinking that much. They're perfect angels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So, speaking of NASCAR a little bit, is that something that you're kind of into? Have you gone to a couple NASCAR races? I've been to one. I've been to Kansas, like, 2016, 17, and, yeah, it's not for me. I'll watch it on TV. Gotcha. I'm not, I don't know. It's it's definitely, it's, I'm an atmosphere guy, so it's just kind of neat to be with, like, 60 or 70,000 people for me, and I don't know. I went down there with Troy Sanford for his first NASCAR race, my second at Kansas Speedway, but... Definitely going to go back this fall. Uh, some people are and some people aren't, but I'm a huge fan of that next-gen car. I mean, now I ain't never seen that. This was the old-school car. Yeah, Gen 6. The uh, the pre-race show was badass. You know, everything about it was badass, but, man, watching a car turn left for 250 miles or whatever they run down there got boring. I need a slide job, you know. Store them up, rough them up, coming out of four kind of guy. I feel like that's what you get with this next-gen car, and uh, I don't know. My thought process behind a NASCAR race with my eyesight, I didn't really have the most interest in going because, for me, it'd just be being able to see as they come by wherever the seat is, and you know, well, this year, I, I took my driving glasses by Optic Telescope. If you guys have followed the show, I've kind of ranted and raved about that a little bit. But I actually learned that focusing that thing in on one car on a one-and-a-half-mile track is also my perfect setting for driving down the road. So what you're trying to tell us is you can only see a mile and a half in front of us right now? I'm not even wearing my bioptic. I can barely see 10 foot in front of us. Well, that's kind of the selective vision thing. Like, I could, I can't read the license plate, but if it was made before, like, 2006, I can probably tell you what kind of car it is. It's because they all look distinct before then. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can spot, I, I would be able to spot a Dodge Stratus before I could spot out a Tesla or a modern Honda. Because modern Hondas and Teslas all look the same. Dan. I I agree. We might offend Dan Taylor, but I I do agree. Does he drive his Honda? No, he's got Tesla. Oh, that makes sense. I always knew something was wrong with that chicken farmer. <laughs> City chicken farmer from Council Bluffs too. No, I um, t- a couple people have asked me would I buy one, and the answer is no. I'm I'm not ready to make that commitment. I would buy a hybrid. Hey, does Dan listen to this show? I don't know. Well, Dan Taylor sits to pee if he does. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. Shout out Kyle Vanover painting it on a school bus. I still need to figure out what he wrote on there last week. Well, let's just ask him when we get there. All right, I can do that. I mean, ain't nobody going to know better than what he wrote on there than the guy that probably wrote it on there. So. I guess I could always climb up on top of the bus. 
If it's st- I can't remember if that one made it through or not. I know Grabowski's went off on the hook. I think Vanova's made it. I know Grabo. Yeah. I even told that damn guy, don't wreck this year's bus. And once he do, he knocks the left front off of it before we even take the green. Yeah. Typical Grabowski. Drive the wheels off of it. Hell of a guy, though. <laughs> oh, dude. Bad Hell of a driver, too. Yeah. It's a hell of a wheel, man. Can we give a shout-out to all the Nebraska guys that went down to Belleville last night? Oh, man, I'll give a shout-out to the Nebraska. Any Nebraska guy that goes out in Road Warriors, even if you're just going as far as, like, Denison, Iowa on a Friday night or running down to Belleville, these aren't, especially with the current cost of gas and diesel, anybody that goes beyond 40, 50 miles from home on the weekend, I definitely raise my golden suds to thee because... That's that's what we need right now, and we are so kind of, again, not to go kiss an eagle's ass too much, but... We're it's spoiled, inc- I'll say it. We are spoiled. I mean, with the car counts that we get, to see a couple of the Nebraska guys go down there anywhere and run, whether, whether you're from Lincoln and you go down to Beatrice on a Friday night to help boost their car count, or if you run over to Crawford County, or even the guys that try and go tackle Boone on Saturday... If you go more than 50 hours from your doorstep, I definitely salute you. Hey, we went down to Denison last night, man, fourth. With Gunner? Yeah. Man, he's kind of – talk a little bit about Gunner's season. I know you help him out quite a bit. He's had some ups and downs. Run us through a little bit of that. It's been more downs than ups. Last night was the only night we actually put a halfway decent night together, and it still wasn't the best. Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those deals that kind of happens to everybody. You you roll with the punches – even guys like Jeff Ware have really been on a topsy-turvy kind of deal this year, and and you see it, and you just... My heart always goes out to the guys that have a harder year, especially people like... And this is going to piss some people off, kind of a hot topic this week, but, you know, guys like Adam Gullion, who have had big-time success in the past, and then life just comes and deals you a hard hand at the racetrack for the year, and I don't know. Again... I got to salute anybody that goes out and runs week in and week out. This is arguably the most expensive this sport has ever been, whether you're talking about fuel, tires, cars, or crate motors. I mean, with the cost of everything, got to give a shout-out to anybody that goes out and does this. And can we give a prayer to... Now I, yeah, yeah, I won't. I are don't you, know if that's been public yet. So, Are you talking about, like, my Chili Bowl prayers? Like, oh, good lordy! We bless the drivers that are here today. They come and brought these things to play. No, there was a, uh, and I won't mention no names because I don't know if they want it public, but there was an incident last night in Crawford with a pit mule getting flipped over. Oh, shit. And I think the lady, like, broke her leg because they took her to the hospital last night. So we won't mention no names just because I don't know if he wants it public, you know. Yeah. Well, and this isn't going to air until Wednesday, so those things might be... You know, th- that might be public knowledge by then, but I can definitely respect keeping somebody's privacy private and keeping our prayers sent up. You know, and it was a shitty deal last night, so it sucked. But so aside from sprint cars, do you have a favorite class? I probably modified sport mods. I got a real good buddy of mine, uh, Tommy Etherton, that runs a sport mod. Yeah. So whenever I'm not doing this sprint car shit, I... It's nice to kind of jump over and help out the body panels, even though my hat's off to all them guys that straighten out body panels every week, because that shit sucks. Yeah, that's it was never my favorite part of it. 
I always said the good thing about a sprint car is if you tear it up, you just bolt new onto it. Bolt new onto it. As long as you don't have to send it to the frame shop, it's not that bad of a day. Yeah, hey, we got to pick one up from the frame shop this week. James, you want to go? Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, pick yeah, pick that white car up. We flipped a dick off at Denison with so. Wasn't that? Can can you walk me through that, or did you did you see it well? Were you down there that night? Wasn't he in the lead? Lead with six to go, checked out, and oh, lap car goes top to bottom, or bottom to top. My bad. That's they, that TikTok shit. Oh no. Yeah, pretty much, and it was slow motion. They threw the move over flag, and instead of holding his line, he moved over all the way from the bottom to the wall, and can't turn a car fast enough to not jump a guy's left rear and yard sale it. Yeah, that'll send you for a ride. Saved everything, or junked everything but the seat and the motor. Ugh. That's an expensive day, and, you know, talking about the price of gas, that makes the fuel bill look awful small. Yeah. And then to find out they cut the post that night. They cut tow money, even, like, when we showed up. I'm I'm kind of a 50-50 guy when it comes to that. My My thought process is... If you have a set purse shown, don't change it after you get to the track. But uh, the first time I ever noticed it was at Stewart Speedway over in Stewart, Iowa. When Chuck Vanderheiden had that place, he would have a payout listed if you had X number of cars and a payout listed if you had X num- or Y number of cars. I probably shouldn't throw two X's in there. Next thing you know, it'll get triple X and then all hell will break loose. I think Columbus does that, don't they? Doesn't Bobby do that up in Columbus? I think I did see that on one of their posts. And no, Joe does it. Yeah, that's Joe right. Joe does it. That's I right. I does it. If they have like 20 cars in certain class, they pay X amount. And if it's under that, they pay this amount. Speaking of Joe Kaziski, last weekend I got to go out and pit report at I-80 and had a friggin' blast, as I always do. But Joe Kaziski called Dan and said, Hey, have your pit reporter go down there and say, If Dover will start at the back... I'll put an extra $300 up if he wins. So, for the first time in my pit reporting career, I got into a barter war with Joe Kaziski and Jack Dover. Jack says, no, I'll do it for eight. So, radio up to Dan, because my wireless wasn't working. Radio up to Dan, and I'm like, hey, he'll do it for eight. Dan calls Joe. Joe says, no, I'm not going to do it for eight. How about five? Well, here's where all hell broke loose. That's when the fans started going up to the booth and trying to offer extra money for this. Unfortunately, due to a lack of communication and Jack's motor expiring in the feature, he did decide not to go with that little extra extra bonus wager that Joe had put up. But you don't see that too often when a promoter is... He was down the road at Rock Rapids for an SLMR show and called up to his own racetrack to say, hey, let's toss some extra money onto this. Speaking of which, um, well, this is going to air too late for it, but tonight out at Eagle Raceway, if you can get out there, Charger Chassis is putting up some extra, I believe it's 150 extra in each class to win tonight. 
for the stock cars and the hobby stock. So shout out to Charger Chassis as if those guys didn't do enough for local racing. Putting a little extra purse money on top, especially this day and age. Well, you know what? I'm going to give another shout out. You just mentioned Bobby Lincoln. Bobby and the gang over at US 30 have teamed up with the T-Bone Truck Stop. And Forgive me, I'm not 100% sure where that's actually located. I think they got two locations. That's that one you pass right as you go into Columbus and Lincoln. It's right there on the right. Okay, like I can picture it now. The one right before the racetrack, and then yep. I think they got one in Duncan. But, yeah, them guys do a hell of a job over there, don't they? Yeah, those guys are giving out, uh, I don't know if it's every night or every other night, so forgive me for being a little bit hazy on the details, but I know they're giving out a $100 fuel card to a random draw. Now, if there's one good thing that Facebook has done, it's come up with that little spinny prize wheel thing. We've seen it on Stu Snyder's Waffles and US 30s giveaways i love the little spinny wheel thing i'm not a technological guy so if anybody wants to teach me how to do that kendall uh, you just let me know and we're gonna try to do some of that yeah we're having waffles or uh i i once tried to have a boxing i love the way Stu posts that waffle coming up that's right (laughs) like well or boxing i've never heard that one before that was my own creation it was kind of a horrible failure i should have just went with a waffle Waffle, yeah. waffle. Talking about that Jack Dover deal, man. If anybody can get it done at I-80 in a 360, it's that man. He's arguably the king of the modern era 360 out there. I mean, there ain't, I mean, honest to God, and I hate to say it, and nothing against the rest of the field, but when he shows up to I-80, it's either him or a Jason Martin show. Yeah, I could agree with that. It's kind of like uh, Mike Nichols over at Shelby County Speedway and the stock cars. I mean, you, if you're going to beat him, you better pack a lunch. And shout out to Boyd Peterson. Where'd he end up that night, third? Oh, I can't remember exactly where he was, but man, Boyd did have a good night. Now, th- there's a. Oh, I'm, I mixed up Blaine with Boyd for some reason. I thought he had both a stock car, but I mean, Boyd's been doing midget stuff, 360s, 305s. You got to hand it to a guy that's going to go out and run some different cars. Yeah, because who was it? Jason Martin won it, and then Boyd ran third, right? I think so. I should know these things, but they all just kind of run together. I think I'm already in like 30 shows. That's it? <laughs> I know, right? Those are rookie numbers. you got to get those numbers up. Jesus. I don't even want to know what I did last year. Well, I think we either passed a dead skunk or we're following behind a carload of hippies. Either way, I salute you. I think I was probably 70 plus, 75, 80. This year already? No, no. Oh, okay, no, last probably. year. I don't know, I'm probably 30 already. All right, so we're about tied up. But you've been making some trips down to Denison on Friday nights. I'm I'm honestly looking to get back to Beatrice. Uh, that, yeah, that place, I got a love-hate relationship with that place, depending on the night. Same here, and I've, I'm kind of at a different point with it, just because I've gotten to know, like, Tommy Denton and the Fralins and Langdales, the Muses, Deekmans, Richards. I mean, there are so many good people at that track that want to see it succeed. And uh, I'm sorry if any Gage County Fair Board members are listening, but you guys got to step it up for this racing program because it's arguably one of the steepest traditions, aside from homestead days in Beatrice, Nebraska, to go spend a night out at Beatrice Speedway. I, I love that place. I have a soft spot in my heart for it, but damn, we got to get the fair. And it's not just Beatrice. There's a lot of fairground tracks around here, <coughs> Iowa State Fair Speedway, 
that have just given up on their race program and don't put in the simplest of efforts. I mean, I couldn't get them to give me admin privileges to their Facebook page to try and expand on what they have. You know, um, We're going to kind of shift gears here, and this is just kind of my pie-in-the-sky pipe dream, but if it were up to me, if I-80 does not open next year, the more that the year goes on, the more I'm starting to think we're going to see a 2023 season out there, even if it's just a couple of specials. But if I-80 doesn't run next year, I would love, love, if you're listening to this from Beatrice Speedway, we might not be cheap, but we're damn good. And I'd like to see the Eagle broadcast crew start spending some Friday nights over at Beatrice Speedway. Dude, that would take that place to a whole new level. I, I mean, just want to elevate racing. I mean, you, Dan Taylor, Ryan, everybody up in that booth every Saturday night, I mean... You guys do a hell of a job, James. I mean, Kurt Merrill pumping up the music. I I would put our broadcast team up against anybody. We've got a little Snapchat group for the Nebraska announcers. We also include Chris Krug on it, even though even though he likes to spend his Saturday nights over to Knoxville. You know, we we still include him. I I told him all flat out watching the Eldora Million the other night. Them flow guys do a great job, but. I think we can beat him. I if there was a streaming awards show for race broadcasters, I think we'd be in the running. We've got a pretty damn good team out there, and I can't stress that enough. We are a team. Off topic here. You know what it took for me not to go to that? I'm betting it was probably pretty hard cuz I I mean especially in a situation like this, there are some people that didn't like this setup, you know, where you had the million-dollar show on Thursday night, and then you go have a lesser-paying dream the following nights. But if a guy were to leave on Monday or Tuesday to get down there, even if you would have gotten rained out on Wednesday night, you could go soak up what's around Rossburg and see what it's all about. And I don't know. There's something special for me about walking around an empty racetrack. It's it's so cool. You ain't never been down there, have you? No, I've never been to Eldora. Man, that place... (laughs) You've been to Houston's, yep. and it's like driving to Houston's, man. You're driving down this two-lane highway for like 20-some-odd miles, and it's like, where in the hell are we going? And then you just come up over this little hill, and it's, I mean, if you've ever seen the interview and the deal they did on YouTube where Joey Saldana says it's like a mecca, I mean, it is. You pull up over this hill, and it's hitting you in the face that's how i feel about houston's man that was so cool i mean back then i didn't have my bioptics so i couldn't see real far when we went down there last year but it's like i mean it's i gotta bundle knoxville into that too it's like you go down a two-lane highway you're just rolling through this sleepy little town and then all of a sudden it's like boom racetrack in the middle of the city but you go and roll up to houston's and you're like cornfield cornfield two-lane blacktop there's a stop sign over there (laughs) final gas station Highway, highway, yeah. highway, boom! Yeah, and there it is. And it's, man, that place is awesome. Dude, it's, it's, I love how it's like sunk down in this little valley and you just see this fence and what looks like a big old building. Of course, there's sweet towers and concession stands and everything, but, oh, that is a sight to behold. And it's almost like they cut it down below you because, damn, the grandstands are like even with the road and yep. then that hit road to get in were you driving down that like s road man that thing yeah ain't nothing better dude it's it's cool yeah it's badass 
if you haven't been there, I mean, there are definitely some marquee tracks just around the area within four or five, maybe I'm going to stretch it to six and go for Wheatland, but we are pretty damn blessed in the Midwest to have some of the immaculate, amazing facilities that we have around here. You ever been down to Wheatland? Absolutely. I've been, uh, I went down there two times with Ryan Kitchen back in the day. Uh, one, it wasn't a, it wasn't the Hockett McMillan that I went. No, the second time was for the Hockett McMillan deal. The first time was just a War Series sprint car show, with they had some kind of Missouri style stock cars. You ever been to Lakeside? Yeah, that's a pretty damn nice facility too. Dude, I don't want to sound cocky here, but there ain't very many racetracks within about eight hours of here that I haven't been to. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, uh, rolling up and down the road with Toomsy. Well, hey, let's shift some gears here. You've been to a lot of them, which unfortunately means you've probably been to a couple of them that have closed down. I think I know what your answer is going to be, but what is your favorite racetrack that is no more? I'll tell you this much. The worst racetrack I've ever been to, and I'm sorry if anybody's listening that races there, Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Redwood Falls, Minnesota. I don't know what our Minnesota audience is like, but I haven't even heard of that one. Dude, I went there one time and thought it was closed and then found out it was open. Really? I shit you not. They must not have a mower in the whole damn town. Oh. <laughs> it was terrible. The flagman didn't even have a yellow flag. I shit you not. They had a caution in turn one or two, whatever it was. That dude didn't even wave a yellow. He stood on the flag stand 25 foot above the track and waved his hands. Oh, God. Yeah. I think they started like 25 sport mods in the feature, and they finished like four. Who'd you roll down there with? Uh, my mom, actually. We were, it was like a family vacation. We were coming home from like Michigan or somewhere, and it just happened to be we stopped at a gas station, seen a car, you know, we got talking to him. And he's like, yeah, we're racing down the road. Like, well, shit, if you're all right with it, we'll follow you. Yeah, come on. And I, yeah, we drove by it because he was going to the pits, and I was like, well, that ain't it. That damn place is closed. And he pulled in, and it was like, the hell did we get into? Yeah, there's definitely some, there's definitely some that are kind of like that. I think my favorite now-gone racetrack turned cornfield has got to be Butler County. I mean, that place was dark, but I loved it. Man, that, I went there numerous times because if you didn't know, Toomsie was the tech yep. up there. So, man, I grew up between there, Columbus, and Eagle. That was pretty much like the every week deal. I mean, I got to give a big shout-out to Sam and Kenny Blinken up there. Oh, yeah. Old Sam, you know, when she had the place. Man, I raced some hell up there back in the day. And she never cared a bit. Oh, there's just something about being a kid growing up at a racetrack. I swear racetrack kids, you know, city kids don't know how to raise hell like racetrack kids. No shit. I mean, from the days of playing with Hot Wheels on wooden bleachers to the first time you jump into something. You had a wooden bleacher? Shit, I think I've owned about 4,700 racetracks in my time. About every Saturday night, I was making a new one waiting to get into Eagle. Oh, yeah, right there by the ticket booth. I just, I'll never forget a little story about my brother. One day, my uncle was going to race up there 
Bill Sims and the Friday Night Flyers at Eagle. I don't remember what they called them over at Butler County. But we rode one day from Beatrice to my uncle's house outside of Denton. And my brother puked twice. He just was not having a good day. But we all jumped in the truck with my uncle and his car and his wife at the time. And we rolled down there, and my brother just felt like shit the entire night. That was the first time I ever watched somebody sleep in the grandstands while I was sitting next to him. You know, if a car went too hot off a of turn two over at my little Hot Wheels racetrack, it'd knock him in the noggin. You ain't never been to Boone then for Super Nationals, have you? Oh, definitely been to Boone for Super Nationals, but I've never been on the grandstand side. That's actually an event that I would like to go sit in the grandstands for just once. I've always been a catwalk guy. See, now, I've got it easy at Boone. I sit in turn three in a lawn chair with my cooler beside me and just watch the race. That'd work out. Shout out to Bobby Lincoln for showing me that spot. Yeah, that's kind of like one of those secret fishing spots. I can't even picture it in my head. I just always stand in the as far down towards turn three as I can. I used to have, rest in peace, my biggest Boone casualty was this. It was this little chair that folded out like an X. And it held about a 12-pack in the cooler. And it had a little flip-up backrest. Man, that R.I.P. backpack cooler chair, that thing was fucking awesome. You know what's bad is I think I've bought a new lawn chair every year I've went to Boone. Oh, I'm sure. Because I always lose them, lose them, throw them away, or they get caught on fire. I think alcohol might be involved. Or they end up in the pond. You ever been in the pond? Yeah, you're talking about the Mud Runner Pond? Yeah. I, hey, shout out to that mud pond. I finally got through it here two years ago. Man, the first time that I went to Boone was with, oh, I'm trying to think of who all the brigade was. Uh, it was me and my girlfriend at the time, Leighton Fintel and his wife, Jared Dieterding, Dylan Bridgman. We all went down there and, I mean, Jared had been down there before. I think he was the only one of us that had... All right, welcome to South Bend. Oh, just shit. just turned in, and there's a gentleman riding down the street on a electric hover round type of deal. Hey, he does have his triangle on the back though. That a boy. Yeah, this is a town that you might as well forget about even being in. Yeah, it's de- if you get it on the highway, it's definitely a blink and you'll miss it type of joint. It's but- not even a blink and you'll miss it. Fuck, you'll miss it if you don't even blink. I don't know, but. But Boone, that that first time that we went down there, it was like 6.30 in the morning, and there's a guy wading through the mud pit, and he asks us all to look for his wallet. Normally, I try to be a helpful guy, but this time, I just didn't. We just walked on. But you know what? Let's leave him in suspense. We just rolled up to Gunner Pike's shop. keep talking. It don't matter. They got enough damn people around that car right now. All right. Well, hell, let's do it. Hell. AC's going in this pickup. It's hot outside. Oh, well, yeah, then by all means. It's not like we're using my gas, so. All right, well, we've talked pretty much about every racetrack within a little bit. What do you want to talk about next? Oh, throw it at me. We'll talk. I don't miss the compacts. I don't miss walking on them. I don't miss setting them up. Sport mods are, eh. I can deal with a stock car. My ex-boss had two of them, so. I don't know. I I just love them all. Late models ain't nothing better. Show me one hundred. You gotta get down to that show. I need to make it to more late model shows. That's 
Growing up, I was big into late models just because uh, I grew up at the Friday night show at Eagle back in the day. The old Grand American late models, you know, John Kenny Jr., uh, Rob Wagner, I don't know why I almost forgot his first name, Kyle Burke back in the, I guess I really can't even say heyday because Kyle Burke's been winning since the 80s and hasn't found a way to stop yet. How many damn years has he been racing? A bunch. A whole bunch. Where the hell's Anthony Ainsley at when we need him? That man would know when he won his Oh, where is Anthony Ainsley? You talk about guys that have up-and-down, topsy-turvy type of seasons. Man, that SLMR series has just gotten beat to hell by Mother Nature. For a while there, I thought we were going to have to get Anthony institutionalized if he didn't get to a racetrack. (laughs) I know that boy was going crazy. Well, what was it? Like the first seven shows of that season got rained out or something? Something like six, something like that. Six out of nine, seven out of nine. It was driving Cole Wayman crazy, too. He was so pumped to get on that SLMR tour and be ready to go. I watched those guys work at the shop. You just constantly see updates from them, and it's like, well, we did all this work. Now it's a washout. Big well, we did all this work. It's a washout again. How many more washouts is it going to be? I mean, shout out to him. He's driving the shit out of that white model. I mean, he's driving the shit out of everything. I saw one night he was in Dan Jackson's car at I-80 in the stock cars, doing the modified thing at Eagle, catching the SLMR whenever Mother Nature will let him. Oh, he's been in a hobby? Been in a hobby? Yeah, he drove a hobby for uh, uh, Jamie Bruce one night at I-80. Really? Yeah. Dang, I didn't know that. The last that I last time I saw him have a different driver in there. I know um, Devin Bruce ran it once or twice last year out at McCool. Yeah. I didn't know Cole had done that. Yeah, if he shows up now, we can talk to him about it. Yeah, that was back when it was like the full queue. Actually, I believe uh, I think Cole Wayman is going to be at Eagle tonight. I thought that I saw that. Um, oh, on his Snapchat, he said, "I guess I better work on this turd." I don't know. I don't have him on Snapchat anymore. Damn it! Come on, Cole. Yeah, he got a different one a while back. I actually gave him a hard time, too, for not having me on there. Well, maybe that's why. But then again, a while back, we had our differences. But Oh, gotcha. We put those aside. So, kid's a hell of a wheel, man. Always has been. That's that's another thing that more and more people can learn from the racing community is it doesn't matter what kind of... I guess I can't really say what kind of person you are because there's definitely ways to get booted from this community, but the racing community has a special way of putting your differences aside and coming together for just the common good and trying to build this sport up. I mean, a lot of people think that racing is just a bunch of dumbass rednecks driving in circles, but I don't know too many dumbass rednecks who roll around with $80,000 worth of race car in a $300,000 rig and then you've I think got I'm looking at one. I don't think that's an eighty thousand dollar race car or rig. That's a race saver with a that's Gunner Pike is a great example of your average working man that puts his all into a race car just to go out there and have fun. I mean, he's been competitive. He's he's another one of these multi generation drivers. I mean, his dad used to kick ass up and down the block. Hey, what do you guys call him on Saturday nights? Anything? Gunner Pike? Yeah. He don't have a nickname or nothing? Back in the Stan Caesar era, it was always Top Gun. Now, I'm not... I've noticed that Dan and Ryan aren't necessarily the biggest nickname guys, and I think that's just because so many drivers do have so many nicknames. But anytime I get in the booth, 
I take a little bit of pleasure in adding in these nicknames because there are so many creative ones. And I, I did always like Top Gun, Gunner Pie. Nah, we changed that. You changed it? Yeah. All right, you heard it here first on Roland Race News. Give it to us. The Gardner, Gunner Pike. The Gardner? Yeah. I've known this kid for like seven, eight, nine, ten years, and I just figured out the other day that he loves to garden. Really? I shit you not. I couldn't believe it myself. Well, if these grocery prices keep going up, you're going to have to be doing a little ass-kissing to get some fresh produce. The only way I found out was I called him and asked him what the hell he was doing. He goes, I'm watering my garden. And then last night when we headed to Denison, I came out here, obviously, and he was watering his garden again. Well, food's cool. Yeah, but gardening? Ain't that like an old person sport? I don't know. I bet there's, I bet there's probably a lot of people... That garden. That a 24? Maybe. I know I'm not quite into gardening yet, but I can keep a house plant alive if I have to. And bald? Like, I mean, how many 24-year-olds you know that are bald and garden? And drive a sprint car on top of that? Now, not many. Now, you're just building a pretty stout one-guy type of thing. I mean, bald, gardening, sprint car driver. And 24. And 24. You find me another one that drives a race car at 24 that's bald and gardens. I'll wait. I guess I have a goal for tonight. Done. I don't know. That is a that is a really good question. I think the only person I know that, that was bald at 24 was probably Dan Taylor. Jared Jackson. Oh, Jared, yeah. That kid ain't even 24 and he's bald. He's had his dad's hairline since he was like six. There's a reason we call him Bosley. That's you didn't know that good. one? No, I'd never. For as long as I'd been camping with them, I'd never heard that one. Yeah, we call him Bosley. That was like an inside. I guess I just broke that one here, too. That was kind of like a inside, our little click. You know, him, myself, Tommy Etherton, um, another buddy of ours, Norm. Shout out to Norm serving this country. He's fucking over in Guam right now living the I th- good life. I thought that's who you were talking about. How the hell do you pronounce his last name? I don't have a clue. Okay. N- Nor- Sefnos. I- that's that's what I've always done. Beats me. I used to just call him Seffles. Yeah. Yeah. We call him Norm. Or dumbass, one or the other. Oh. But, yeah, Norm started calling him Bosley. Because the joke was um, we were going to get him the Bosley hair treatment and see if it worked. I got to remember when his birthday is. I might actually have to do that. It's in December, ain't it? Or we should get him a sick mullet wig or something. That's a little bit cheaper. Coon hat? Coon skinned hat or something? Ladies and gentlemen, in the car number 98, it's Jared Hairplug Jackson. Nah, so two weeks ago, if you want to... We kind of got off topic here, but now we're talking shit, and I kind of like it. All right, I'm fine Um, with it. So two weeks ago at Go-Karts, Jared flags with me. Yep. I'm in one and two, he's in three and four, and then Roger's on the Did I see Jamie Steiner's flagging now? No. No? No. All right. But, I'm dumb. Never mind. If um, I learned how to edit, I'd cut that part out. <laughs> but you got to hear them radio talks that we get into at some point. Oh, I'm sure it's a blast. Uh, I never realized, you know, we've got our own FM transmitters and everything. I-80, we've got radios. So we can banter back and forth with the announcers and hear what's going on. But the few times that I've ridden with Gary Dominguez in the pace car and the night that I, for some reason, they put me in the lineup shoot to line cars up for heat races at one of the Nebraska Dirt Crown events last year. 
and just hearing the banter on these track radios from track officials, tow crew, that stuff is hilarious. Oh, you had to hear it on Friday nights. But back to that Friday night deal on Joe Jackson. We, I didn't. I wish I'd have came up with this one, and I still don't even know how it came up. But uh, Roger Hayden now calls him Kachow. Kachow? Yeah, like the old Lightning McQueen shit. Yeah. Kachow Joe That's what Jackson. I used to call Cold Creeko. Well, yeah, and I don't even know how it came up, but I told Dan Taylor last Saturday when we were waiting to get a pit pass that I'm going to need Dan to start calling him Kachow. Kachow. But I do like the hairless wonder instead. How about that one? <laughs> the hairless wonder, Joe Jackson. I just wish his name was Harry. Where'd my hair go, Jackson? I wish his name was Harry. Harry the hairless Jackson. <laughs> you know, and I give that kid a lot of shit, but we're really good buddies, Jared and I. And that man's had a tough life here these past year and a half. Like. He has been, I mean, the ups and downs in life, I, I couldn't compare to what Jared and the Jackson family have gone through. And I'll I'll just take the mic here for a couple minutes. Uh, we talked about it before after we lost Dan and Jenny within just a couple months of each other. But I've been camping around those guys for, it, it seems like, about 10 years now. And you will not find a family that has been more invested in racing. And a family that just takes care of people. If you come down there, you're going to get fed. Whether you're hungry or not, you're going to get fed fed you know and i blame that camp on why i'm so damn big because i'd eat saturday nights at the racetrack go down there and jenny be making goulash or her famous chili and oh yeah that's the only chili i can eat believe it or not that's actually the chili that got me into chili when i was growing up my mom made this i'm sorry mom i hate your chili it was too runny too tomato chunky but something about jenny jackson's i'm gonna out myself here you know how some people like keep slices of their wedding cake in their freezer? You wish you'd have kept some of that chili? No, I actually have a Tupperware container of Miss Jackson's chili still in my freezer from last summer. But hold on to that. I, I think I'm going to. If your house gets broken into here in the next couple of days and all that gets taken is that chili... Don't call me. If you're going to break into my house, at least take something worth my insurance deductible. <laughs> well, that chili's priceless. That I guess that's true. They couldn't pay you enough for that chili, could they? No. That, I mean, it was perfect. It was, like, thick. Chunks were big. It was, yeah. Those The Jacksons are the people that taught me about sprucing up your chili, too. I mean, everybody knows about chili and cheese, but... Your crackers, your sour cream. Dan had put some lettuce in it from time to time. I mean, yeah, and it was. I'm not a sour cream fan, so I always had to tell Jenny that, you know, hold off on that. But man, I never thought of lettuce and chili until I tried it from Dan one time, and it wasn't even like he never asked if I wanted lettuce and chili. He walked by and dropped a handful in there and said, "Eat it." Yep. I said, "Yes, sir." Tell you what. Shit was awesome. Man, her chili, she made this mac and cheese with corn that was out of this world. You talking uh, about like the cake that had like the crust on top of it? With Maybe? the mac and cheese? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it the was... baked mac and cheese with corn? Yep. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Oh, God. That I... and she would make these foil packs with kielbasa and potatoes and sauerkraut. Oh, fuck. And the first time I ever ate that, I was at their house and we were... As the old people would say, three sheets to the wind, drunk. And she come outside with that and told us we were going to eat or we were going to eat. And I'll never forget that. 
the first time um, I had met, I actually met the Jacksons through a girl that I was dating in high school, but that was only a couple months thing. Like, it was just the summer, talking back and forth with them at the racetrack a little bit. And then it'd been a couple years, and then I started hanging out with Jared Dieterding and Dylan Bridgman back in, like, 2012. That's a hell of a combo, well, those two and you. Oh, yeah. Well, one day, they called me up, and they're like, hey, we're going to go camping. Dylan has this old, he still has the pickup, he doesn't have the camper, but he had an old 72 Chevy pickup and a slide-in truck camper that was nicknamed the Ghetto Mansion. And we decided one day we were going to go camping. It was like right as the lakes were starting to unthaw. It was still colder than fuck. But we decided that we're going to go to the lake. So we go to the lake. I can't remember which one. But we decided, hey, we're pretty close to Crete. We're going to go stay at the Jackson's house instead. So we cruise over to the Jackson's house. And that was my first experience hanging out with those guys and the first time eating that chili. Hey, we're going to be joined by a special <laughs> guest now. Top, uh, wait, the gardener gunner bike? <laughs> I had to throw your ass under the bus here. Oh, shit. Tell us about that run last night at Denison. Don't forget to put the mic up in his face. Yeah, um, it wasn't all that bad. Racetrack kind of changed a little bit, and we weren't really expecting it. Kind of missed it, but oh well, we're learning. So You had a hell of a crew down there that night. Oh, absolutely. I can't thank him enough. It wasn't me or nothing like that. I didn't do anything. <laughs> it was Cooper's nephew. Well, since we got Gunner over here, we might as well we might as well just talk a little bit. I know you've had some ups and downs following you on social media. Talk a little bit about your season. As you're staring at this bent up piece of shit wing that's in the driveway still, you know. No, it's been a hell of a year. We ain't flipped nothing. Uh no, it's been pretty good, uh. Started off okay, and then we got the new car rolling really well, and then we wadded one up and Dennis in that one night, and we just had to bring this car back down, and once we got it back down, we weren't bad right away, and then it's just been a stride, kind of working on things, trying to get everything going, so. Right now, Gunner's doing an interview. We got the world-famous best setup man in the country right here. I still don't know which boat this is. Uh, Jay. Jay. <laughs> I can never tell him and his damn brother apart. <laughs> and now I can't look because you both. What's that? What are you looking for? He ain't got a ring on. Oh, shit, he does have a ring on. Uh, yeah, rings tend to be on the left hand, Zach. <laughs> As a single guy, I know you wouldn't know that, but... If you're single, they can't bitch about you going to a racetrack. That's a fact. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. Since this is quickly going to turn into dick and fart jokes, we're just going to end it right here. And thanks for tuning in to Roland Race News. Stay tuned. The next one might be a full-blown interview with Gunner Pike. I want to thank Zach Warner for jumping on here today. And Dan Taylor right sits out to the pee. racetrack. Uh, Dan Taylor squats to pee. So, once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on, well, I guess I can't say next week. We've kind of been hit or miss with these things. So, we'll see you next time I feel like it here on Roland Race News.